Well, like Marty said, this is the year of hope, and we know that the best kind of hope is certain hope. And certain hope is when you and I stop listening to our feelings and we start listening to the Word of God, praying over the promises of God, falling on the character of God. In the first part of the year, as we ventured down this road called a journey towards hope, we took a look at prayer. This series is built on the importance of God's Word. Through God's Word, our minds are renewed, and with that renewal comes hope, new hope. Uh, David said in Psalms 119, verse 14, You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your Word. Now, if you have a Bible, I want you to open up to Psalms 139. I know this from experience, almost 40 years of ministry experience. When people are hurting, they don't need simplistic truth, but they do need simple truth. And, it, and, and simplistic truth isn't enough. So, or I should say simplistic truth is when you come to someone and you say, Jesus is the answer. You just need to get Jesus in your life. Well, obviously they need to get Jesus in their life, okay? But it, they, must be, they must understand how Jesus works in your life. Does that make sense? There is a difference between simplistic truth, you just need Jesus, and simple truth. Now for 29 years at LifePoint, we've been giving not simplistic answers, but simple answers with deep theological meaning behind them. Because it's not enough, like I said, well, you just need to read your Bible more. You just need to pray more. You just need to go to church more. And if you do those things, hey, your life is going to work great. Obviously, we need all of those things. No, we've got to tell and help people understand how to change. And so I want you to take some good notes on this. I've got a lot of things that I'm going to convey in this message because we're going to take a look today at our first statement of hope. I am who God says I am. Now there is nothing simple about you. You are wonderfully complex. Psalms 139 verse 14 says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Well, you circle the phrase wonderfully complex. Now, when I have a good joke, and I think all my jokes are good, I like to repeat them. And I shared this last week, but I'm going to share it again, okay? Because it's good. And I want you to laugh at this joke like you just heard it for the very first time. Because this will be videoed. Who knows? We'll watch this thing, okay? If your spouse is sitting next to you, you husbands, lean over and whisper in your wife's ear, you are wonderfully complex. Go ahead and do that. And then whisper in your husband's ear, you are amazingly simple. <laughs> My wife tells me all the time, George, you're just a simple guy. He says, you're right, I am. But can you please describe that for me? He says, you're like an on and off switch. That's about how simple you are, on or off. That's just it. And I said, yeah, well, guess what? You got a whole lot more gauges and dials and buttons and procedures or, or and levers, and you got procedures around all those things. You are wonderfully complex, okay? But the reality is that we are all, are we not, wonderfully complex. 
And for you and I to be all that God has meant for us to be, we have to understand the various dimensions of even our identity. Take a look at Ecclesiastes 7, verse 18. A person who fears God deals responsibly with all of reality, not just a piece of it. Like I said, if you're going to be all that God has meant for you to be, you have to understand every dimension of your life. And today we're going to take a look at five dimensions of your life that influence your identity, who you are. Now, do you remember the parable of the talent where the manager, who was God, gave one guy five talents and another guy two talents and still another guy one talent? They didn't get to choose the talent, the amounts of talents that they got, but they did get to choose how they used them. Well, this is true with your identity. You didn't get to choose the de- the ha- de- the, the cards that God dealt with you or dealt you. But you do get to choose how to use them. It's kind of like playing cards. How many of us here have played poker? Raise your hands. Keep them up. Look at all these sinners. Now, my question to you is, did you tithe your winnings? Okay, I just want to know that. You see... There is a card game called Five Card Stud where you have to play the cards that have been dealt to you. You can't swap them out. You can't change them. In many ways, this is a metaphor for life. Life is like a five-card stud poker game. you got to play the cards that you have been dealt with. And each card represents a certain aspect, dimension of your identity. Now understand several things about the cards that you have been dealt with before we get into this. Understand that the cards that you have been dealt with are flawed. Every card is flawed. They are marred by sin. They are imperfect. And why is that? Because we live in a broken world. Everything in our world is broken. The economy's broken. Uh, weather's broken. Uh, the relationships are broken. And your body and mind are broken. Secondly, keep in mind, That when God sent Jesus, he sent Jesus not just to save us from our sins so that we get out of hell and go into heaven. He sent Jesus to transform our lives. To transform the cards that have been dealt with us. And lastly, understand this. That one day we will give an account for how well we managed the cards that were dealt dealt to us. So these are the things I want you to keep in mind as we develop this metaphor, okay? As we take a step, the first step of hope. I am who God says I am. So the very first factor of your identity, the very first card is this. Now, I want you to participate. So when I turn the card over on the count of three, I want you to say the name of the card. Right? Okay. If we were playing poker, you got a king, you got, you know, here we go. First one. My chemistry. Your chemistry are your chromosomes, they're your genes, your DNA. 
your hormones that make up your body and your mind. Now understand something, that everyone's chemistry is different. And it affects our bodies. It affects our appearance. Take a look around. Look, you're, you're different from her. Her, she's different from you. Amazing. That's what, there's all kinds of differences. Some, some people are hypersensitive to pain. It's just their chemistry. Some people have a high tolerance for pain. It's neither right or wrong. It's just part of their chemistry. Some people have low energy. Other people have high energy, high metabolism like myself. I'm going constantly, okay? My wife has a low metabolism. It's neither right or wrong. It's just our chemistry. Each of us here has structural weaknesses due to our chemistry. Some of you are predisposed to back problems or wearing glasses. Folks, it's neither right or wrong. It's just your chemistry. Some of you are predisposed to not hearing well. In fact, I went to the doctors. My doctor says, you got a deficiency in your hearing. There's a certain pitch you can't hear. I said, well, what pitch is that? So she, he said, sounds like your wife's voice. I said, that's not a deficiency. That is a blessing from God, okay? Some of us have biological deficiencies that are chemically driven that create emotional and mental and physical problems. If you have a low thyroid, I guarantee you this, no matter how much exercise you do, it is going to change your energy level. Some of you have calcium deficiencies, and so you're more prone to breaking bones, having brittle bones. If you have low hormones, you, you, it will affect you mentally and emotionally, and by the way, it will affect you physically. I mean, here's one for you. Oxytocin, a hormone, okay? You know what it creates in us? Connectedness. Truly, some people have low levels of oxytocin, and they have a hard time bonding with other people. They're doing research on this, that prairie dogs in the Midwest <clears throat> have mates for life. And they do so because they have extremely high levels of oxytocin. When a mother breastfeeds her baby, oxytocin is uh, released in her body. She bonds with that child. And by the way, it's also released in the baby. When a husband and wife make love, guess what? Oxytocin is released. It creates bondedness. That is why marital unfaithfulness hurts so much. It's not a physical act. It's not just a physical act. Folks, it's an emotional and spiritual act. And so there are chemical differences. And I want you to write this down. No flaw is sinful or shameful in your chemistry that makes up your body and your mind. Now, I happen to believe that the last frontier for mankind, the last taboo of mankind is mental illness. People don't like to talk about it because they think it's a bad thing. But folks, mental challenges, mental issues, mental illness, however you want to frame it, isn't any different than physical challenges, issues, or illness. It's just part of who we are. Everything in our world is broken. Your body is broken and your mind is broken. And yet what is so unique about God is that he takes even these flaws to help us understand how unique we all really are. And so even those flaws 
can bring God glory if we choose to use them correctly. The second card that we have been dealt with is this on the count of three. One, two, three. My connections. My connections are my relationships. You and I are a product of our relationships, and especially in the earlier years. And those relationships may have been healthy or unhealthy. They may have been good, bad, or ugly. They may have been non-existent, or they may have been abusive, but they influenced your identity. Now, studies report that your identity is determined by what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. That is why I say you better make sure that Jesus Christ is number one in your, your mind and in your thoughts because he always thinks the truth about you. He always uh, speaks truth to you. He, uh, he always thinks about you in the right way. He always thinks about you in a positive way. But whoever that is in your life, that person will determine your self-image, your, your self-concept, your self-esteem. And so the connections in your life influence your identity. But not only that, they influence whether you're going to understand your purpose in life. You see, if you grew up feeling disconnected, you're going to be more prone to struggle with, I wonder what my purpose is in life. People who have healthy connections very seldom ask themselves, does my life matter? Now that is why I say life is all about relationships. It is about a relationship with God and it's about a relationship with other people. And if you miss connecting with God and with other people, I can pretty much guarantee you this, you're gonna miss and struggle with your purpose in life. Now with this card of connection, there are three flaws that I wanna bring to your mind. And the first one is this, none of us here are perfect, we're all broken which means we all have broken relationships. We all hurt each other. Secondly, sin disconnects us from God and from others. We all know the story of Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve, they blew it. And so what happens? Adam immediately blames God. God, you're the one that gave me this woman. My wife just a few weeks ago told me, says, George, you always blame me for everything. I says, it's biblical. You know, Adam did it. I'm just following his example, okay? But it also caused them to blame one another. And that sin separated them from God and from each other. I mean, who, who told Adam and Eve that it was wrong to be naked? Who told them it was, uh, they had to put on clothes? Who, who told them to hide from one another? God didn't do any of those things. Sin did it. Sin separates us. And the third thing I want you to know about this card is this. The more disconnected I feel, the more fear I have. When I feel disconnected from God, I fear God. When I feel, di- feel, when I feel fear from others, I fear others. And so what that does in us is it creates a dilemma. As we're walking down the uh, the road of life, we want to have relationships. We desire that. We, We want to be with other people. But guess what? We fear other relationships. We want intimacy. We want to be known for who we are. 
but we fear intimacy. I don't want you to get too close. We desire acceptance, but we fear rejection. And so these are the flaws that go with our connections. The third card or factor of our identity is this. One, two, three. My circumstances. Your circumstances are those things that have happened to you and around you that weren't in your control. You see, you couldn't control, you didn't control your chemistry. And early on in your life, you didn't control your connections. Well, in the same vein, folks, we don't and can't control all the circumstances that come into our life. And yet those things that happen to us and around us shape our identity. And so in part, you and I are influenced by our environment. We are a product of our suffering and our shame and our shock and our stress that is in our life. My father-in-law was shaped by World War II. He is of the greatest generation. The greatest generation was influenced by World War II. Boomers, like myself, were influenced by drug, sex, and rock and roll, Woodstock. Millennials were shaped by 9-11. Our identity as well is shaped by our environment and the stress and the suffering that comes for it. Which means this, that if you have been abused, that abuse has shaped your identity. Physically, emotionally, sexually, whatever. And I'm sorry, I really am. If you've ever been rejected, that rejection has shaped your identity. And I'm sorry, I really am. If you've had a failure, it has affected your identity. If you've had a crisis, it has affected your identity. All these things leave scars on your identity. The fourth card is this. One, two, three. My consciousness. Your consciousness is what you think about yourself. It's how you talk to yourself. Now understand this, that there is never a time in your life that you are not talking to yourself. And if you talk to your friends the way you talk to yourself, you wouldn't have any friends. <laughs> because you are your worst critic. You have a tendency to put yourself down constantly. You love to repeat the negative things in your mind again and again and again. I mean, just fill in this blank. It's just like me to what? It's just like me to be late. It's just like me to say the wrong thing. It's just like me to be lazy. It's just like me to always put myself down. The Bible says, as a man thinks within his heart, so he is. Now, here is the amazing thing. That when you think a thought, folks, it doesn't have to be true to hurt you. You just have to believe it. So if someone comes up to you when you were growing up and says, you know what? You won't amount to anything. And that's happened to me from my dad. 
and you believe it, then you won't amount to anything. And one of my siblings believed my dad. If you tell yourself that your marriage isn't going to work, and you believe that, then guess what? It's not going to work. And so I say you and I really need to be careful about what we think. You see, the problem with this card right here is that we know our fears, and we know our feelings about certain things. Those fears and those feelings, here's the flaw of this card. They can be self-fulfilling. We all know the story of Job, right? All these terrible things happen to him. <clears throat> but a lot of times people look and miss uh, Job 3, 25, where he says, everything that I had feared has come upon me. They were self-fulfilling thoughts. So I want you to write this down, because this really does figure into hope. Feelings aren't facts. I feel insignificant. I feel like I don't matter. I feel like I'm useless. I feel like just quitting. Feelings aren't facts. So my consciousness affects my identity. The fifth one is this. One, two, three. My choices. My choices affect my identity. Now the Bible says that you have been made in the image of God. Animals have not been made in the image of God. Horses haven't. Cows haven't. Monkeys haven't. Dogs haven't, and cats definitely haven't, okay? <laughs> but what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, folks, it means a lot of different things. But one thing that it means for sure is that you have a free moral choice. Animals don't. Animals operate off of instinct. They don't know the difference between right and wrong. But we do because we have been made in the image of God, and we have a free moral choice. And that freedom to choose is your greatest blessing, but it is also your greatest curse. But here's the good news about this card over here. God says this is your wild card. This card, the wild card, can change the number and the suit of all the other cards. It's the wild card. It's your choices. You see, I didn't get to choose my chemistry. But I do get to choose what I do with the body that God's given me, right? I didn't get to choose my connections, especially early on. But I sure in the world can choose how I respond the people that are in my relational world right now. I didn't get to choose all the circumstances that came into my life. 9-11, Woodstock, I mean, I wasn't a part of that, okay? But I sure in the world get to choose how I respond to those circumstances. I didn't get to choose what things, what things were said to me, especially when I was growing up. You're stupid, you're dumb, you're, you're ugly. But I can choose if I want to think about those things or not. Folks, this wild card affects all the other cards. So, you got the parts. Those are the levels of our identity. 
So let me give you five winning choices that you can make with the hand that you've been dealt with. The first one is in regards to your chemistry, your chromosomes, your genes, your hormones, those kinds of things. Number one, I can choose to get healthier. I don't care what challenges you have in your life right now. You can be healthier than what you are. There are things that I can do that can increase my energy and lower my stress. I can eat better, I can get more rest, and I can worry less. All of those things are well within my control. And so instead of bemoaning the fact that I don't have this Olympic body, okay, I just need to make the most of the body that God has given me. And the reality is, you don't. And either do I. But God speaks about this. In Psalms 119, verse 73, you made my body, Lord, now give me sense to heed your laws. Folks, there are certain things that you and I can learn about our bodies, how to eat right, eat less, get moving more, and getting our rest. Why don't we do that? Why do we continue to drive ourselves? Will you write this down? The pain is in your brain. We tell ourselves, it's just too hard. Folks, you and I can change our thinking about those things. Those are very controllable. So what I'm saying is this. Improving the controllables reduces the impact on the uncontrollables in our life. Does that make sense? There are things that you can't change in your life. You can't grow an inch taller than you are right now for the most part, unless you're still in the growth phase, okay? I can grow up this way, but not this way, okay? Um, you can't become as handsome as I am. It's just a give up. Don't, it ain't gonna work, okay? There are things that you and I can't change about ourselves, but you can change the controllables. You can change your mind, your thinking about what you eat, how much you eat, how much exercise you have, and, and the amount of rest that you get. Those are well within your control. The second choice that we can make is in regards to our connections. I can choose to deepen relationships. What this is is an intentional choice to make my relational life better. Everyone's relational life can be better than what it is right now. Well, how's that, Pastor George? Well, if you're in a, a, a relationship, you can maybe get some more skills. You can be more authentic in that relationship. You can go deeper with that person and become more intimate and reveal things. about. There's a lot of things that you can do in existing relationships. You can replace unhealthy relationships with healthy ones. In other words, what I'm saying here is risk connecting in a deeper way and maybe even with healthier people. And I don't use or say that word risk arbitrarily because with any new skill that you're developing to go deeper in a relationship, being more authentic, communicating better, or, or going from unhealthy relationships to healthy ones, folks, there's gonna be some risks involved with that. So I want you to write this down. The fear of rejection prevents connection. The reason why most people feel disconnected is their fear of being rejected. Their fear of being hurt. Their fear of being disappointed. Let's talk about friendships. 
In most people's hearts, they would say, in their heart of hearts, they say, I just want more friends. I'd love to have more friends. But we tell ourselves, you know what? No one would like me. I just don't fit in. Are you sure? That is a feeling and not a fact. Some people in here say, you know what? Let's talk about marriage. You know what? I really would like to get married. But no one would want me as their mate. Are you sure? That is a feeling and not a fact. But Pastor George, I'm just not good in social situations. I'm just not good in, in uh, dating. I, I'm just not good in making new, new, new friendships. Well, guess what that is? That's fear. That's the fear of rejection. So will you write this down? Awkward won't kill you. Of course, developing new relationships is going to be awkward. But guess what? It's not going to kill you. How do you and I get rid of the fear? Well, John tells us in 1 John 4, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Why does love drive out fear? Because love, perfect love, gets takes its focus off of itself. My dreams, my wants, my desires, my ambitions in life, and it puts it on others, adding value to others. And so love has no fear because it's not about me. Now this is why a lot of people get uptight when they get in social settings. They go maybe to some party and as they're walking in, they're thinking, I wonder how I look to everybody. I wonder what everybody is thinking about me. Well, let me let you in on a little secret. They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. Self-centeredness thinks, how do I look to everybody here? But love thinks, who here needs my help? Who can I add value to? Who needs encouragement? Who needs affirmation? Folks, if I walked out here week after week after week and I worried about how I looked to you, which obviously I don't. I, I wear Hawaiian shirts, okay? And if I can, I get shoes like this, okay? But if I did, I'd be scared to death and I wouldn't show up. But if I come here and I think, what are people's needs right now in this turbulent, divisive culture that we live in? What are their needs? What are their hurts? What kind of hope do they really need so that they can get up the next morning and, and attack it? When I think that way, it gives me courage to even speak on issues like this. So perfect love casts out fear. So how do you get rid of fear? Fear of being more authentic in your relationships, going deeper, or fear of making new relationships. Well, I'll tell you this. You can't talk yourself out of a fear because fear is irrational. It is illogical. Fear is false evidence that appears real. So how do you get rid of false evidence that appears real? Only one way. You move against it. You do the very thing that you fear the most because fear is removed through action. 
And remember that your fear is always greater than the event. Fear is 24-7. That event is here today and gone tomorrow. And that plays out into membership at churches. This plays out in getting involved in community. You make love your highest priority. But Pastor George, what if my love is blocked? Hey, I got a simple answer for that one. Redirect it. Okay, if it gets blocked in one direction, hey, have it redirected in some other direction. There's all kinds of people who need and want your love. Elderly people need your love. Students need your love. Children need your love. If it gets blocked, redirect it. Here's a prayer for you. Take a look at Ephesians 3.17. I pray that Christ will live in your hearts by faith and that your life will be strong in love and be built on love. I would encourage you to pray that verse every morning. The third choice is in regards to the circumstances of your life. The trauma, the trouble, the pain, the pressure, the stress, and the suffering that you and I have in life. And the choice is this. I can trust God no matter what happens. I can choose to trust God no matter what happens. And if you choose to do that, this will give you an identity that truly most people in our world don't have. And that is a Christ-like identity. Take a look at Romans chapter 8, verses 27 through 29. God knows us far better than we know ourselves. Now let's stop right there just for a moment. That is why you and I should trust God. Folks, he's the one that dealt us the deck that we have. He knows us through and through. He knows you better than you know yourself, okay? And so God says, ah, God knows us far better than we know ourselves. That's why we can be so sure that every detail, will you circle that, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Not everything is good, but God will work it all out for good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. You and I didn't, because maybe this is the lights turning on for some of us right now. We discover these things a lot of times, I don't know, 30, 40 years into our journey called life. But God knows what he's doing. He decided from the outset to shape, will you circle that word, the lives of those who love him. In other words, he's forming you. He's forming your identity. Into what? Along the same lines as the life of his son. God's goal is for your identity to reflect Jesus Christ. The son, Jesus, stands first in the line of humanity he restored. And we see the original and intended shape, circle that, of our lives there in him. You see, how should we respond when we begin to understand that one of the purposes of God is to shape our identity into Christ-likeness? We should praise him. Take a look at this verse, Psalms 34, verse one. I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. When you and I get to that point, that is a confidence that the world does not have. Wall Street doesn't have it. Hollywood doesn't have it. Cap those on Capitol Hill don't have it, okay? 
It is a confidence that says, hit me with your best shot because I'm going to praise the Lord. Because even in the trials and troubles and tribulations of life that no doubt are impacting and have impacted my identity, God is using them for good. So I want you to write this down. I'm a product of my identity. Or talk back. I'm a product of my past, but I am not a prisoner of it. Yes, it has influenced me but I'm not a prisoner of it. I can be different. Now this leads to number four. And this one is in regards to my connections. I can choose what I think about. I can't choose what people have said to me, but I can choose what I allow my mind to think on. Now understand something about your self-image, that it's created by your memories. Your memories actually come from two different parts of your brain. The bad memories come from one part, and the good memories come from another part. Your bad memories you will never be able to forget. However, you can override them by choosing what you think about. And so your self-image, your self-concept, your self-esteem is created by your memories. Now, your memories are created by mental habits, the way you choose to think. Every time you think a thought, an electrical current goes through your brain, okay? And the more you think on that thought, a a pattern begins to develop. And the more you think on that thought, that pattern goes deeper and deeper and deeper to a rut, to maybe even a Grand Canyon. Some of you have Grand Canyons in your mind. Now for years, people thought that the brain was like concrete, that it couldn't change. But a guy in 2002 won a Nobel Prize proving that you can rewire the adult brain, that the brain isn't so much concrete as it is elastic. And you've probably seen in the last, I don't know, five years, ten years, these mind game things. There's even TV shows about that. Lumosity, where you can, the, you can actually rewire the, the adult brain. When I hear that, I think, I am so glad science finally caught up to God. Okay, Because Romans 12 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. In other words, there's a lot of negative stuff out there in this world. But let God transform you. That word in the Greek is metamorphosis. It means to change, to change from a a, a caterpillar to a butterfly. Wow. Let him transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So will you write this down? Changing your brain will change your life. How do you do that? You feed your brain truth. What the world likes to do is to feed you junk. Like we talked about last week, garbage in, garbage out, okay? It likes to feed a lot of negative things. You know what? You won't amount to anything. You're no good. You're stupid. You're ugly. You won't fit in. And when the world fills your mind with negative things where 
there's more negativity in your brain than there is positive truths that come out of God's word. What happens in your mind is you have a scale and it tips. And that is called hopelessness. And our world is filled full of hopelessness because it's choosing to abandon God's word. So what you do, so what do you do? You get truth into your brain. You read truth, you meditate on truth, you memorize truth. And as you do, what will begin to happen is that the scales will begin to equalize. And you're going to feel this, nothing. Congratulations, you're making progress. Because you were feeling hopeless. Now, Pastor George, I've been memorizing God's word, I've been reading the Bible, and it's just not working. I don't feel anything. I don't feel good, I don't feel sad, I don't feel anything. Great, you're making progress. How do you finish it so that the scales tip towards where you're hope-filled? Take a look at Philippians chapter four. And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You can rewire your brain. You can. It is a choice. There's one last one. And it's the wild card. And this one can change all the suits of the other one. And the choice is this. I can choose Jesus as my Savior. Now, when I say Savior, folks, I'm not talking about him saving you from your sins so that you can go to heaven. What I am say, saying is this, to save you from yourself. Yes, you need a Savior to forgive you of your sins. And I hope you've accepted Christ. I hope you've dropped him from your head to your heart because we live in the South, folks, and a lot of people got it up here, but they don't have it here. They don't feel it. They don't, they don't have it. They really don't have it. It's just, yeah, I know about that Jesus thing. You can't have someone as big as God come into your life without it changing your life. And if you don't have a changed life, you got every reason to wonder whether you're heaven bound or not. And I say that honestly because I care for your soul. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about allowing Jesus to transform the cards. Because when I choose Jesus as my savior every day, I get a power to follow through with the choices. And so you start your day off every day of every moment and you say, Jesus, I need you to be my savior of my chemistry so I can make the most of the body that you've given me. Jesus, I need you to be the savior of my connections so that I respond in the right way to the people that are in my world. Jesus, I need you to be the savior of my circumstances so that you can bring good out of the bad. Jesus, I need you to be my savior in my consciousness so that I guard my mind from garbage because garbage in is garbage out. 
And so when you get Jesus, you can become a new person. You can have a new identity. And this is what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. And so when you choose Jesus as your Savior, what you're choosing is hope. And your hope quotient will rise. This is not a simplistic answer. But these are simple answers that can change your life. Let's pray. Lord, I just really thank you that you are a God that has answers for all of reality. You created it. You created us. God, we are wonderfully complex. No ifs, ands, buts about it. There are so many dimensions of our life, but God, you know us through and through. And you've given us the freedom to investigate, to discover those things that, so to speak, lie in darkness, and to shine your light of truth on them so that we can become all that you want us to be with the cards that we've been dealt with. God, truly, there are times I scratch my head. I I don't understand why I got dealt the, the hand that I've been dealt. But you do. And you want me to use it, my identity, for your glory and for other people's good. And so God, give grace Give power, show mercy and kindness as we journey down this road called life because it's challenging, God. But with you, we have a Savior. I want to ask you, where are you at? Have you dropped Christ from your head to your heart? Will you do that this morning if you haven't? Just say in the quietness of your heart, God, right now, I just heard what Pastor George said, and I know I'm a broken person. Far more ways than what he just described. But I thank you that Jesus came to save me. And right now I want to say yes to him. I want to drop him from my head into my heart so that he can save me every day of every moment with my chemistry, God with my connections, with my circumstances, with my consciousness, to give me wisdom to make right choices. God, I need you. If you prayed that prayer, I believe God heard you. Would you just let me know on your communication card, just write your name, email address. On the back of it, check the box, giving my life to Christ so I can email you some literature that'll help you understand what you've just done. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. You're a good God. In your son's name we pray, amen.